Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the angels on the hillside that heralded peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Lord, we pray today for peace. Lord, we pray for peace around the world. War-torn countries. We pray, God, for those moms and dads that are having to get in bomb shelters because of the bombs, seeing their homes and their lives wrecked. We pray for peace here in America. We pray against the division of hearts and lives that has anger, unforgiveness. We pray, God, that you would get peace to America. Peace to America. We pray for peace in our city, Durham, North Carolina. Lord, as those angels so well spoke, the peace of God. God, that peace gives hope. <laughs> we pray for peace in our churches. Peace. We pray for peace in our homes. Oh God, so many homes are divided. Anger. Turmoil. God, we pray for peace in our homes. We pray for peace in individual lives, in hearts. <laughs> Only you can give that peace. Nothing else can give that peace, Lord, but you. We pray over this church, every member. Every attender, we pray for peace. Give peace beyond understanding. Give peace in the midst of turmoil. Give peace. We claim that peace in our hearts and in our lives today. In Jesus' name.
Good morning, church. I will tell you that you can put your sermon notes aside. <laughs> that sermon won't be preached this morning, so you're not going to have notes, but I will be sharing with you what I had prepared for the Wednesday night service. We've been doing a Bible study called The World of the End, and so I had prepared that, uh, the message for Wednesday night, and this will be that message from 
for next Wednesday night. So put your sermon notes aside and put your, put your hands like this and put them toward me and pray <laughs> that God will give me the right words to say this morning. So will you do that, please? Amen. Amen. God is faithful, isn't he? I just love the God I serve. But um, to begin this, I want to tell you a little bit of the background of um, what is going on here. So Jesus had uh, just met with his disciples. Uh, he had predicted uh, Judas's betrayal of the Savior. So today I'm going to be talking about betrayal and the, what we as Christians need to do when someone betrays us. Well, Jesus said was there. He had predicted Judas's betrayal. He left um, the temple area, and he went, into, went to the Mount of Olives. Now, I have visited the Mount of Olives, and I've often thought after visiting there why that was the place. When you walk into the Mount of Olives, the trees, the olive trees just kind of lay kind of low around the groundwork, and it's just such a peaceful, peaceful place. So I can see why Jesus, when he was faced with the things, he knew he was facing his death, right? He's trying to tell his disciples about it. His disciples don't have a clue what he's talking about. His disciples thought that he was coming into the world to deliver the Jewish people from the Roman rule, but that was not what was fixing to happen. He tried to share with them. They seem rather confused. They just cannot accept the fact that the Messiah that was going to deliver them was not was going to face death. They couldn't imagine that. So they were, they were in some turmoil about it. Jesus had gone up to the Mount of Olives where I'm sure he went when he knew he was facing death or any time, it's a very peaceful place. And there, the disciples asked him, they said this, they said, <clears throat> do you see all these things? I tell you the truth, not one stone, and he's referring to the temple here, he said, not one stone will be left upon another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Well, that this chapter, chapter 24, which is the chapter that we've been studying, is a chapter that Jesus gives prophecy for the end time. So if you want to know what Jesus, the Messiah that came to the nation of Israel, is, thinks about prophecy, it's all wrapped up in chapter 24. And the first thing he predicts is, he says to them, these temples that you see here in Jerusalem is going to come down. Well, let me tell you, honey, that happened in A.D. 70. So what Jesus prophesied is going to come to pass. And then the disciples said to him, they said, tell us, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? So the disciples were asking Jesus a question and he went on to answer them and through the Chapter 24 of Matthew, he gives many, many examples of what is going to happen at the end of the world. So I don't know if you feel like I do, but I feel like we are living in the world of the end. 
And one of the things about Matthew 24, it talks about birth pains. And birth pains intensify as time gets closer. And in my opinion, things are intensifying quite a bit. I think there was some huge earthquake somewhere this week. You, you just hear of earthquakes and things happening all, over, all the time. And everything about the prophecy that Jesus gave in Matthew 24 is intensifying in our world. Now, do you feel the hatred and the anger and the offense in our world today? You don't have to go very far to feel it and know that things are intensifying. So the part that I'm going to share with you is in Matthew 24, verse 10. And this is the verse. It says, many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Now, I think it's very significant that the one another is there. Because I don't think he was talking about the world out there. And you know how crazy that world out there is. And everybody's hating everybody. And there's so much hatred in our society. And it's portrayed in our face every day. But he's talking about the believers, the Christians. He said, you're going to betray one another. You're going to hate one another. And as the time comes, it's going to intensify. So I want to talk to you a little bit today about how to be faithful in the world of betrayal. Have you been betrayed? Have you been offended? Have you been hated? I'm going to talk to you about what to do and how to remain faithful in the world of the end. Now, this sermon that Jesus gave was his Olivet Discourse. And in his Olivet Discourse, I want you to know one thing. Yes, he's talking about the world of the end, but there's one thing about this Olivet Discourse. God rules the affairs of the nations. He is relentless in mobilizing the events on earth. And it all leads imminently toward the rapture of the church. Are you getting excited already? I tell you, I feel like it's very near. When I talk about the rapture of the church, chills just run through my body and it just feels so near. He's talking about the final battles of history, the splendor of his return, the unveiling of his kingdom, and the dazzling new heavens and new earth and new city of Jerusalem. There is something to look forward to. Yes, it seems Grim, it seems like, oh, look what's going to happen in this world. But that's not what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on his return, the unveiling of his kingdom, and the he new heavens and the new earth, and we're going to be dwelling in the city of Jerusalem. Are y'all getting excited yet? This is wonderful news. But that's true. God's still, God's still in control, right? God is still in control. There's a lot going on in the world, but God is still in control. But there's few things that really hurt, like personal betrayal. Have you ever had a friend that betrayed you? Have you had a family member that betrayed you? This is the part about betrayal. No one can betray, betray you unless you have given them room into your heart. You know, somebody out there can't betray me. Somebody I don't know can't betray me. Those who betray, you, betray us are those who are very close to us. So with those kind of experiences that we have experienced, I'm sure you have, we must realize that betrayal is a very hurtful thing. I'm going to give you some scriptural um, 
examples of betrayal. And I couldn't believe how early on in the scripture that betrayal took place. I, I didn't think about that before until I studied this. The first one was, you remember Lucifer? Remember Lucifer? What did he do? He betrayed God and got a bunch of angels around him and, and betrayed God, and they were cast out of heaven. So some of the first betrayals are pretty strong and pretty big. And just think about if things are going to intensify, how intense it's going to be in these last days. Ezekiel 28 verse 14 says this about Lucifer. It said, I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God. Lucifer deserted his God and led a host of angels in rebellion against him and was thrown out of heaven. So he got his due reward. Yes, he did. The next one I thought about was Adam and Eve. They were seduced by Satan. So betrayal, early on, a lot of betrayal took place in the early days. Cain betrayed his brother Abel, who went out and killed his brother because he didn't like the way he worshipped. Jacob double-crossed his brother Esau, and Esau sold his birthright. Joseph's brothers stripped him of his robe, threw him in a cistern, and sold him into Egypt. Delilah, remember her? She betrayed her husband, Samson. You know, Samson was one of the wisest men in the world, and he got betrayed by a woman. And do you think... You, you're ready? Are you ready for this betrayal that could take place in our world? And then David said something in Psalms chapter 55, verses 12 and 13. He said, it is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. So someone cannot betray you that you've not allowed into your life. But many times we allow people in, don't really know them, and they betray us. And then there's one more match, which matches all, and that's the betrayal of Satan against God the Father, the betrayal of the Son of God when Judas Iscariot betrayed our Savior. He betrayed him. Luke 22, 3 and 4 says, Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. So let's go back and read our verse again, and I'll talk to you about the three things that are in this verse. Many will, offend, will be offended, will betray one another, and we'll hate one another. So let's talk about offense first. The word offended translated in the Greek is the, a word that is similar to our word scandalized. So it's not talking about being people who offend us because of our faith. That's not what he's talking about. Many people are offended because of our faith. Well, that's not what this is talking about. This is actually talking about people that we allow into our lives that can trap us, kind of like 
a root where you trip over a root or something outside or you trip over the sidewalk or something like that. That's what this offended means. It means when you allow people into your life that will offend or scandalize and it will cause you to trip up in the last days. The second word is betrayal and the Greek for that is paradinoma. And this word is like given over, given over. So the indication here is that this will intensify at the end time, giving over or allowing others, just giving up. So let's read what 2 Timothy 4, verses 10 through 16 says. And this is <clears throat> Paul talking in 2 Timothy, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But this is what he said. He said, Demas, this is the reference to the word betrayal here. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with him, for he's useful to me in the ministry. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you came, and the books, especially the parchment. You also must beware, for he was greatly, he greatly resisted my words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but he forsook me. May it not be charged against him. So when you see the word portrayal, this verse in 2 Timothy gives a, an example of what he was talking about, what, what kind of betrayal there is. And, you know, poor Paul, he, we would, I mean, if I was traveling with Paul, I mean, I think I would just bow down or something, but not there. They, uh, Demas forsook him. Uh, he got upset with some of the leaders, and things went on then. So there's a lot of betrayal in, this, in our world. And the last thing is hatred. And I think out of offense, betrayal, I think hatred is the hardest thing to deal with. And hatred is worse than betrayal. Hatred is a new level of evil. This verse uses one another, meaning people in the church will hate you. So Christians, don't let hatred, resentment, or bitterness in your heart. Because if you get bitter in your heart, if you get bitter in your heart, it will not be good. It leads into hatred, and we do not want to be part of that. So, what is our response to the world of the end? How can we respond to being offended? How can we respond to be being betrayed? How can we respond to hatred? Just be faithful. You know, God is looking for faithful, committed members of the body of Christ. Are you going to be one of those that's going to remain faithful in these difficult times as, that we're facing? So I'm going to give you five things that you can do to help deal with the world that we're living in and how it's going to intensify in the end and how that when we are offended or we're betrayed, or we're hated, how should we respond to it? And the first thing I want to give you is choose your friends carefully. You choose the wrong friends, and you can be brought down quickly. And I will say to young people, please be careful about the friends that you choose, because if you're not careful, something very difficult can happen in your life because you've chosen the wrong friends. So number one, choose your friends. Do you remember Job and how that um, he was struck with boils all over his body and he had his uh, comforters come in? You remember that? How they came in and at first they just sat silent. 
didn't say anything. They were just supporting him. This is Job now with the boils on his body. And then all of a sudden, what did they do? They started giving their opinions and their advice. Started saying, well, you should do this, and you should do this. And if you hadn't sinned, you wouldn't be in this shape. You know, they just went on and on and on. You should read about, I don't know, 30 chapters or 35 chapters in Job where those friends just rant and raved and carried on. But what happened in the end, I think this is such a good example of how that we should respond by choosing our friends wisely. Listen to what is said. It says in Job chapter 2, Job chapter 16, when they started giving him all this advice, it upset Job. And this is what Job said. He said, miserable comforters are you all. He called them miserable comforters. Have pity on me. Have pity on me, oh you friends. For the hand of God has struck me. Despite it all, Job remained loyal to God and to his friends. And in the end, they took, the friends took God's rebuke against them humbly. They offered sacrifices for their sin, and they made things right. So even though they were miserable comforters during most of this, the, the whole book of Job, actually, in the end, things turned around. They remained faithful and loyal. So that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Choose your friends wisely, but remain faithful. Job 42.9 says about his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they went and did as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. So when Job prayed for his friends, that's when his, um, his life was restored. So, again, choose your friends wisely. And if you have a friend who turns against you, hates you, the best thing to do, pray for your friends, and God will bless you for it. Number two is stay focused on the, your purpose. You know, when Jesus was in the upper room, he was told he, he told them what Judas was going to do, and he, you know, he warned um, about all the things that was going to happen. There's something very interesting that goes on here. In John chapter 14 through 16, now Jesus had just predicted his death. He's just uh, talked about the betrayal that's going to happen. And then in chapters 14 through 16, guess what Jesus does? There's two whole chapters where he gives the disciples the greatest, longest, sermon of his life. So when you get home today, read chapters 14 through 16. Two whole chapters about um, that he gave to the disciples. And then when he went through the Kidron Valley, that he prayed the longest prayer he ever prayed in John 17. So what did Jesus do when he knew he was facing betrayal? What did he do? He just kept staying focused on the cross. He just kept staying focused on what he was supposed to do and why he was here. He wrote two long chapters to the disciples and he then wrote a, a prayer, a whole chapter prayer that he prayed. And in that prayer, I'll tell you this part, he prayed for you and I. He prayed for, the, for you and I. Isn't that wonderful? So <clears throat> Hebrews has a verse that I shared with the um, 
communion time a few weeks ago in our Friday night prayer. And it's a powerful verse. And it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So when he was betrayed by his friends, when he was uh, facing, he knew he was facing the cross. What did he do? He said, for the joy set before me, he endured the cross. Despising the ch shame, which is something I dealt with that night, which is an interesting part. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he stayed focused on his purpose for being here. So if you're faced with betrayal, just stay focused on what God's called you to do. Amen. Just keep doing the work of the ministry. Just keep going forward. Now, number three, pursue loyalty. In the world of betrayal, pursue the kind of loyalty that inspires others to remain faithful to Christ. I'm going to tell you something, people. When you are faced with severe circumstances, when you've been betrayed, when someone's hated you and offended you, people are watching. They're watching you. They're watching you to see how you're going to handle it. And how you handle it speaks so loud, speaks very loud, speaks loud to our walk with the Lord. So pursue loyalty and try to... Try to do everything you can to influence others to live for the Lord and to be committed and to stay faithful and to pursue loyalty. Just, just be loyal. Just do what God's called you to do. If God has called you to do something, he is not going to retract the calling. Just because you go through tough times, just because you've got trials, just because things are not that good around you, you have no excuse because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance and we must keep doing and keep being loyal and keep being faithful and being committed. Amen? Amen? I have a few verses to read to you about loyalty. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. It's required. Faithfulness is required. So don't let the things that come against you be an excuse for not being faithful. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Yes. So we are required to be faithful. Revelations 2.10 says, Do not fear any of these things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. You know what? We may have to remain in these last days. It's possible and according to Brother Larry's sermon last week, it's very possible that we could face death in these last days. Remain faithful. Just be faithful. Okay, number four. Do good to those who hate you. Do you find that difficult to do? Someone hates you, you're going to be good to them? I had someone ask me the other day, said, how do you love these people that are going out here? And you know that little, that little girl that was murdered by that FedEx driver? You know, it's just, just something strange right <laughs> comes up inside of me, you know? I'm sure you feel it too. But as Christians, how are we going to deal with that? What are we going to do? We have to do good to those who hate us and to those who we think is demon-possessed. It has to be demon possession. 
So the scripture gives us the best advice of all about doing good to those who hate us. And listen what it says. It says, if your enemy's hungry, <laughs> give him bread to eat. So if you know somebody hates you, are you going to go out and give them bread? That is not natural, is it? I'm telling you, this stuff I'm talking about today is supernatural. It is not natural to have an enemy that hates you when you're going to go out and give him bread. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. And I'm going to tell you what, I have had that experience in my life. I have had people that came against me that showed very evil, evil. And I, I would be reminded of this verse, just heap some coals of fire on his head by loving them. And you know, I'd love them anyway in the midst of their anger and their coming back at me and saying ugly things to me. I heap coals of fire on the head. And you know what? I watch God revenge. I can't tell you how many times I have seen God revenge. Matthew 5, 43 through 44 says, You've heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Can you do this in the natural? Absolutely not. You can't. It's a supernatural thing that Christians have to live and walk in the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is not alive inside of you, you will not do what these verses say. You can't. It's impossible on the human level to do these things. It has to be supernatural. Romans 12, 14 through 19 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And I love this part. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. I love that little section in there. It says, as much as it depends on you. Because I've had situations in my life where I did the right things, showed the love, and just could not come to reconciliation. So as far as it depends on you, do what you can. And when you have done what you can, let me tell you what the scripture says. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to revenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And I can't tell you how many times that when something would happen to me, I kept holding on tightly. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to get back. You know, that's just human nature, isn't it? You want to say something. You want to get back. But the Lord said to us, leave vengeance to him. He will repay. And I can tell you what, after 54 years of pastoring, I can tell you I have seen the revenge of God come to pass, and I would not want to be in that place. First Peter 3, 9 says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. 
So when the trials come, when the people come against you in these last days, it's going to intensify. And when all of that happens, what we need to do is not revile back, not repay evil for evil, but we must remain faithful that we may receive the blessing. There's a statement made by Alfred Lord Tennyson about Thomas Kramer, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury. And this little part that I read just spoke to me so deeply, and I think this kind of sums up everything that I have said so far. And it goes like this. It says, to, to do him hurt was to beget a kindness from him. His heart was made of such fine soil that if you planted it in the seeds, the seeds of hate in him, it would blossom love. I want to say that again. Is that not powerful? So if we as believers can remain committed and keep our hearts bright, the soil soft, please don't let your heart get hardened. Let it stay soft. Keep your heart soft. And if somebody's hating you and they're coming against you with a seed of hatred, what's going to happen? Love will blossom anyway. Amen. I'm going to be that kind of person, aren't you? So the last point is count on the character of God. <clears throat> Joseph, you remember him when he was sold into slavery. He was thrown in a cistern and betrayed by his brothers. Family members can betray you. He was betrayed by his brothers. And they threw him in a cistern. He said this he, <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 50. He says, do not be afraid. For I am in the place of God. Now he's speaking to his brothers who have come to get food because there's a big famine. And this is what he says back to his friends that day, I mean his brother that day. He said, but as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many alive. So... Joseph was thrown into cistern. He was betrayed by his brother, but God had a bigger plan. He was put in a place where he saved the whole nation of Israel. So we have to be willing to do the right thing. We don't ever know when God is putting you in a place to save a lot of other people. And that really and truly is our call. You remember Paul, he was sold out by Alexander the coppersmith when he, um, in his scripture in 2 Timothy, Paul is finishing his race. He's writing his last book and he's keeping the faith. I want to be like Paul. I want to keep the faith. Keep it strong. Keep the commitment. This is what Paul, uh, 2 Timothy, where Timothy, uh, Paul's writing back to Timothy and this is what he says about Alexander the coppersmith. He says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message be preached fully through me. You know what? When you stand true and firm and you keep the faith and you're committed and you're loyal and you count, and you count all the blessings of God coming to you because you have stood loyal, then you kept the faith. And then this is what he said. He said, that the message might be fully preached through me. 
you know what? You speak more by how you live your life and how you treat people than the words you say behind a pulpit. You can talk the talk, but if you don't walk the walk, you are not going to influence anyone. So Paul said, I want to be fully, fully convinced. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his kingdom, heavenly kingdom. To him be glory and honor. Friends and family may offend you or hate you or betray you, but there is one that will never leave you nor forsake you. Aren't you glad we serve a God like that? In Romans 8, 38 says, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us always, as followers, be faithful and true, even in the world of betrayal. Don't let the devil trip you up or drag you down. Instead, be faithful. Amen. We must rededicate ourselves to a coming king. This stuff going all around us, this bad stuff, guess what it's about? We've got a coming king that's alive and well in every area of our life. With his help, we can stay calm. Don't have to worry about all this stuff. We can remain confident well-prepared, we can serve with uncommon faithfulness and unconditional love. Woo! I love that unconditional love part. As we hold up the cause of the cross, we'll be upheld by the power of his resurrection. And as we take the gospel to the world, we will endure to the end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to say to you one more thing. Christians are not normal people. <laughs> they are extraordinary people living with supernatural power in a downward spiraling world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give me <laughs> wow, amen. Yeah, I was uh, coughing and all kinds of stuff, and I said, Carol, I just can't do it this morning. So she's a good pitch hitter. She really is. So how long have we been doing this? 50, almost 55 years. No, come February, we'll be here 54 years, 54 years. But the Lord has sort of let me uh, give a release from the church. And so the first of the year, Carol and I will be stepping down as pastors of Bethel Christian Center. Uh, that's sad. It's real sad. But it's exciting to me. Amen. I, 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 this, this week I had thought about, thought about what this church is going to be next year. It's going to be exciting.
Brother Larry Smith is going to be the interim pastor. And uh, if nothing happens the 1st of January, and we'll be announcing it. Uh, we're going to, he's going to be installed as, as a pastor. And uh, 411 people told me I had to leave. Not that many. <laughs> a lot of people said. But I think I can release the church. And, uh, and then Larry, of course you know Larry. Larry does a wonderful job. He's just a great communicator. Has a lot of sins. That means a lot. It really does. It means a lot. And he's got a wonderful, wonderful wife. And uh, they'll make a great team. They they really will. Uh, and then we'll we're going to be looking for a pastor. Uh, one that you won't have to. Hep up and down the steps. <laughs> he just spring up. I've, I've, I've sprung on the platform many, many times. But it's, uh, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. And listen at me, church. Let's support this man. Let's pray for this man. Let's stand by this man. And then when we have a search committee and we begin to look the board and we begin to look for a pastor uh, pray about it pray about it Larry was talking to me this week about and he's going to talk to Dan you know we start prayer and fasting the first of the year and that's going to be one of the things that's going to be on the top of the list is for the right man to follow Larry in this church God's blessed us here. God's blessed us. It's not a big church, but it's a great church with a capital G. A lot of great people in this church. And uh, we'll be getting someone, and he will be coming in to a church that's beautiful. This is a beautiful sanctuary. Convenient fellowship hall. Beautiful facility. All paid for. Isn't that a big one? That's a big one. And so uh, we, we, we really look forward to the change. Listen, do I want to step down? I do because God said for me to step down. But do I feel good about it? No, not to go on. But I know things change, folks. And we all got to be willing to change. All of us have got to be willing to change. Again, and I'm being redundant now, maybe. Uh, huh? I want to say something. You sure? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to tell you that God has been faithful to Bethel for 60-some years. And he's not going to fail us now. I'm looking for the faithfulness of God to come through. And I know that God is going to be faithful to Bethel. And I know that he's going to provide. And I pray that every one of you will be fasting and praying for the right person, for God to send who he wants here, and for us to be receptive to who God sends. You know, I was with my dad when the church was founded back in 1958. I was here. And I can tell you there is something about God he has never ever one time 
Not one time in all these years ever failed us. And he's not going to fail us now. He's going to provide. And the other thing we're going to pray that when the pressure of pastoring is off of Pastor Don, that he'll be able to get his strength back and he'll be able to be strong again. We plan to be here. We plan to be sitting on the front row. We, be, we plan to be just great supporters of everybody that's here. We're not going to stop loving on y'all, I tell you that. <laughs> There's no way that we can stop loving on all of you. And uh, we will continue to love on you. We will continue to support whoever's in this pulpit. We will give 100% of our support. And thank you all for being such wonderful, wonderful church members. You're all precious. You know, we've never had a lot of fights and arguments. And, you know, somebody wanted to change the carpet. It never was a division in the church. So I'm thankful for that. Thank you all for being so faithful. Yeah, you know, thank you so much. One, one thing that is, is so good about this transition is that we have some great, great leaders in this church. Well-established men, well-established ladies that has a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom. And you're going to see these pews fill up, folks. I believe that. I believe you're going to see these pews fill up. And we should work toward that. And uh, one of the things that Larry said, and he'll be talking to you. One of the things that he said, he wants to continue to build on the foundation that's here. And, uh, and believe the Lord that the gifts of the Spirit, the anointing of the Lord, the gifts of the Spirit, are going to continue to operate in this church. Amen? Let's, let's clap on that. Come on. The gifts and anointing of the Lord is going to operate in this church. you want to say anything else? I just want to conclude my remarks by just giving some honor. You know, we lost Brother Johnny Blake and Brother Mars Westbrook, who were founding members of our church. And they... They went home to be with the Lord this year, and now the church is transitioning the pastor. So if you feel some grief around the house, that's normal. It's okay. We're going to grieve. We're going to grieve the losses that we've had to face. But we're going to do it with commitment and encouragement to one another. We're going to encourage one another, pray for one another, and God will be faithful to us. Now, Steve Holder, which is the president of president of our fellowship is coming in and he's going to install Larry as interim pastor of the church and uh, and we, we'll be working, we've got some great folks on the board, we've got some great folks as leaders and uh, so uh, but we'll Larry will be installed but brother Matt if you'll come and let's have a song Brother Larry, come and, uh, if you will, and say anything you want to say.
wow. <laughs> when pastor asked me about this, I was like, my fleshly response was absolutely not. I don't want nothing to do with it. But that wasn't my spiritual response. We know when God prepares us and God's been preparing me and I think for such a time as this, there's a few things I'll share with you on the 8th of how I know God. I believe that God has prepared myself and, and my wife for this time. And, but it's a, but it's, a tremendous, it's a tremendous responsibility. It's a tremendous honor. But, you know, the Bible has called us to a spirit of remembrance or ministry of remembrance. And I, I'll tell you, Pastor Don, one of the things we're going to remember is the foundation that's been laid in this church. From Sister Carol's daddy to you, and you have passed this on to, to myself, and there's leaders and members of this church. And we're committed to, to a few things, but one, we're committed that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. There's no other foundation that can be laid but Jesus Christ. And this church was laid on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and it will never change. It will never change that God's Word is the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. And what it speaks to, it speaks to accurately. And that will never change. And it will never change because it speaks accurately that the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is for it still for the church today. And we want Him to move in our midst. But what I want more than anything is I prepare this church and with other leaders to transition to whatever God has for us in the future, whoever God has for us in the future. It's to know this. We're going to have to rely on each other, depend on each other. Because one new thing I know about Pastor Don, and you know about Pastor Don, he loves people. And that's ultimately what this is about. It's about people. And it's not really about me, and it's not about Tammy. It's about you all. And so this is going to be a, it's a big responsibility. But, but God has set me here at this time. He's equipped me for this. And so what I'd like for you, I'm, I'm going to ask Tammy if she would like to say something briefly. Maybe she would. But... Um, you know, anything I've ever accomplished in my life, Tammy's been with me. We grew up together. Uh, we started dating. We were, what, 17? Been together a long time. She's been a, she's been a good wife. And so she, she carries uh, this with me. But it's an honor. I just want you all to know it's an honor to be asked by Pastor Don. And it's an honor to be able to serve you. And that's, really, that's what any leader is, is a servant. Um, when we started looking for a church after we moved on this end of town, we visited many churches. And we would walk out of them going, that's not the one. <laughs> and someone said, you know, Don Westbrook's church is over there on Rosa Sharon Road. And, you know, when we grew up, Don Westbrook was famous. And, and a lot of you may not know that, but we've got records of his. And, um, I mean, he was very well known. He was on the radio. Everybody knew Don Westbrook. And so we said, you know what, let's try it out. And we walked in here. And when we walked out, we both looked at each other and we were like, I think we found our church. The people were just so welcoming. We would go to churches and obviously we were new there. No one even speak to us. And we have heard that time and time and time again as people come to this church and they, they are new. Um, from the time that our oldest child was barely old enough, big enough to reach the floor, they allowed him to play the piano for, um, for the offering. And uh, when Colin grew up, although he didn't say anything to anybody until he was about 20 years old, that was put into him that... 
um, he felt the urge to go and spread the gospel. Um, so we, we love this church. We're so thankful for this church. We feel like we have huge shoes to fill. Um, and so I ask for your grace. I ask for your prayers um, and for your support. And we just love you all. So I can't think of a better time to end with an altar time. And so I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Don and Sister Carol to come and stand right here in the center. I'm going to ask everyone, let's gather in closely. Uh, Brother Matt is going to sing, and the, and, the, and the team is going to sing, I Speak Jesus, and, and Tammy and I are going to come down and stand beside them. Our prayer is that the faithfulness that God has placed on them will be with us, and, and, and that um, as we move into the new year, and there will be some changes, that the Spirit of the Lord is with us, a sense of unity. As church, as Bethel does transition to a, to a new generation, it's going to be good. I, I know I sense as Pastor was, was uh, telling about it and, in, and even in the board meeting, there's a sense of heaviness with it. But there should also be a sense of expectation, anticipation about what God's going to do with this church in the future. Amen. So.
Tammy said we visited a lot of churches before we come to Bethel, and what we saw, we didn't see at, at several that we that we visited was an altar call. That's a non-negotiable for me. The most important thing we do is right here at the end of this service. And we sing this song. It says, I speak Jesus over strongholds, over sicknesses. We believe He's a healer. We believe He still breaks the bonds of addictions. He does those things. If you're here this morning and you have a physical need, you're physically sick in your body, and you want someone to gather around with you and pray for you and agree with you, raise your hand. We'll have someone come. Someone go and pray with Brother Ollis right behind you, uh, Tony. Right behind you is... is if somebody would, anybody else, anybody else have something going on in their life they would just like for someone to come up and, 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 and share with them and pray with them? Anyone else? Okay, as they sing, for those who raise their hands, I want you to pray with them and worship a little bit more, and then you will consider ourselves dismissed after that. But spend a little time for the Lord in praying for those who have needs. can't tell you how good I feel about what God's going to do for this church. I, I just, I just know that some great, great, great things are going to happen in this church. And you're going to watch that man grow in the Lord. You're going to watch him grow. And Tammy, I can't tell you how much I love you. God, I love you. And I'll be 
pastoring, preaching some too. And I'll be preaching some after. But me and you, all of us have got to recognize that that man, God's placing that man for time being as pastor of this church. I may be on the front row. And I talked to a preacher in Chicago this week. He said, Don, you got to leave. You got to get out for a year. <laughs> I don't want to leave. This is my home. But I tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to get in his way. I'm going to support him. I'm going to love him. And if he wants to change things on this platform, if he wants to change things with the music, of course, I think the music, God knows. I've not been blessed by a team like I've been blessed with this team lately in a long time. Now, Ryan, you can't get, you can't go off to college and get married and leave us now. You too. You're an established point in that. I love those drums. I love you. I love you. Bless me sitting on those drums and playing them. Jesus loves me. And I'm going to sing once in a while. This I know. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he, sing it with me, team. Come on, here we go. Yeah. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. He loves you. He loves you. The Bible. Chris, I'm trying to wonder who you got with you today. Her hair is so different. I didn't hardly recognize you, young lady. You're beautiful today. <laughs> Love all of y'all. Shut up, brother. Come on, dismiss us. How many of you still want to hear him sing? I do. And preach. I do. I do. And he, he, he's going to still do that. So uh, we're going to continue to honor Pastor Don and Sister Carol as pastors in this church because they always will be. They always will be. So... God bless you. Uh, next Sunday is our official Christmas service. It's a great time to invite someone. So I hope that this week you'll reach out to someone who's not churched and invite them to come to church with, with you next Sunday and experience the miracle of Christmas. I'll be preaching next Sunday, so I hope you will invite someone to come with you and, uh, and enjoy the Christmas season. God bless each one of you. We love you. We hope you have a great day.